Welcome everyone to the final podcast of the series of In Media Res, the podcast series in which we talk about soft skills for PhDs and RMA students in media studies, but this time also in cultural analysis. This is the final episode that's been recorded after the event that we've had with RMS and Nika regarding any sort of career options within and outside academia. And that also brings us to our final guest, whom I'm going to ask to introduce himself shortly. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm uh, Thomas Poole. I'm professor of uh, data culture and institutions uh, at the University of Amsterdam within the Department of Media Studies, so that's uh, the humanities. And uh, my research mostly focuses on uh, on platforms and the way they intervene in a variety of uh, uh, sectors of uh, the economy as well as spheres of life. So I've done a lot of research, for example, on um, on activism and the way in which platforms play a role uh, in new forms of activism around the globe. Uh, and more recently, I've worked on cultural production, um, the way in which, for example, news organizations take up platforms as a way to uh, find audiences uh, and uh, also generate revenue. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds like quite a uh, contemporary topic uh, that you're currently dealing with. But you've been a while already in academia. So let's zoom in on your academic career and maybe also the objective studies that have that you've had throughout a couple of years. So maybe start maybe even at the level of the bachelors and how you have grown from from that into into where you are now. <laughs> Wow, my response was immediately, okay, all the way back to my bachelor's. So when I was studying, there weren't any bachelor's. Uh, so there was basically the Propedeuse and then the Doctoral. So, uh, but I, I studied political science uh, at the University of Amsterdam. Uh, so this was in the 1990s. Um, I graduated uh, in 1998. Uh, and my interest uh, in political science mostly focused on processes of democratization and state formation. Uh, and I became very interested in the ways in which uh, in Europe, especially uh, states had historically uh, been constructed and how that sort of intersected with processes of, of democratization and then also how that involved uh, forms of activism. So how authority was challenged uh, and opened up uh, to deliberation. Uh, so that was, was during my studies. And from that particular interest, so uh, I became very interested in what you could call the field of historical sociology, uh, which studies uh, these processes of democratization and, and state formation uh, across longer uh, periods. And uh, But I eventually, in the Netherlands, found uh, um, a position in history, the field of uh, socioeconomic history, to be more specific, with uh, Maarten Prak, who was my uh, promoter. He's a He's now retired uh, professor at uh, at the University of Utrecht, who uh, was also very much uh, doing work within historical sociology. So I ended up in the field of history uh, doing my PhD, which looks at uh, the ways in which uh, the uh, process of uh, state formation and democratization took place in what you could call the revolutionary period in the Netherlands around uh, 1800. So from 1780 until 1813 and I looked at the ways in which 
different groups in society were uh, connecting with each other, making coalitions, and how that drove these processes of these larger processes of, of state formation, so the formation of the Dutch state as a national state, uh, and as well as uh, early forms of democratization uh, during, that, during that particular period. Uh, so quite far removed, in a way, from my current position in, uh, in indeed, in media studies, which is very much focused on contemporary issues, as you, as you said. Um, but from my uh, interest in, um, uh, in protest and, uh, and political processes, I, I became eventually very interested in the ways in, in which new media are taken up. Uh, so social media platforms are taken up in contemporary forms of what you could call democratization and to some extent also state formation. From my perspective, uh, uh, the, uh, the development of platforms is one of the more impactful ways in which political processes are being reshaped uh, today. Um, so from, uh, my, my, from that particular background, I, I uh, developed that research interest. But there was also a very practical side to it because I, one, I, 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 I love teaching and uh, there, wasn't, there weren't that many opportunities in uh, history to teach. Uh, but there were lots of opportunities to do so in media studies because media studies was an emerging field when I was doing my PhD. So this is uh, around 2002, 2003, um, and they needed more teachers. Uh, so I started, uh, I was doing my PhD in Utrecht and uh, uh, I was asked whether I could teach a course on Habermas and the public sphere. Um, and well, I was interested to do it uh, and I did it for a couple of years and eventually became involved in teaching in media studies in Utrecht and just teaching lectures eventually also on new media. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I got into the field of media studies. Uh, first teaching and eventually when I finished my PhD also developing research. Uh, sounds like quite a path with different disciplines that you have moved through with starting from political spheres and political sciences, history and eventually media studies. Um, let's maybe zoom out a bit through the, the content and zoom in more on the procedural steps that you took. Because uh, you mentioned that you loved teaching. Was it also teaching that brought you eventually to academia or was it already that research interest that you've mentioned now when it comes to the content? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It was actually teaching. So uh, I became, already started teaching when I was a student in political science. I was uh, a student assistant for a professor in political science, and he was teaching uh, large lectures. And the lectures were accompanied by uh, seminar groups. And the student assistants would be teaching uh, the seminar groups. And I was just invited uh, to, to teach them. And the funny thing was that the first time I, uh, I was going to teach a seminar group, I, I didn't prepare. I just didn't, I thought I didn't need to prepare. So I just, uh, I just went to this group. I thought I could just teach without any preparation. And I came and first I couldn't find a room. So I was really unprepared. Uh, and when I found it and I met the students, uh, of course, there was a moment of like, okay, well, I know now we need to teach something. Uh, but it went very well. Just dynamic w was was really good, and I noticed that I just loved the interaction with uh, with a group of students and uh, looking at the literature, thinking through what they did and didn't understand, and how they could sort of get a grip on uh, on uh, on the material. 
So there was this immediate sort of enthusiasm for teaching. And I realized that I wanted to be uh, in uh, a teacher at the university. And it's, um, well, sort of parallel to that, eventually that I became interested in uh, more, more passionate about research. So if I understand correctly, it is teaching what actually brought you to academia yes. and it is research that eventually, well, enhanced the expert. <laughs> yeah, that kept you there. So let's talk about that, how it kept you there. So how do you grow from a person that enjoys teaching in academia to a person that also enjoys the type of research that's done in there? Yeah. Um, so starting out with doing research as a, as a PhD student, I, uh, writing a dissertation is quite hard, as many uh, PhD students will notice. Uh, it's a real struggle because you have to uh, figure out what you really want to do, what you really are uh, concerned about, uh, passionate about, and uh, why and how that particular issue or problem you're engaging with, why that matters, right, to the field at large, uh, and then develop research around it. So that's a difficult process. And then, of course, there are the practicalities of writing and doing so at a, at a really high level for you to be able to get published. So I went through that struggle and uh, well, I, I was fascinated by the topic, but I, I also felt it was a struggle right, to, to, uh, do this, uh, to do this PhD research. But then eventually I, note, or I, I understood that academic research ultimately is about fundamental problems and issues in the world out there that we care about, that I care about, that others care about. And uh, if you do that genuinely, if you engage with those problems genuinely, and then uh, produce work that uh, is an original contribution to that field, you make a difference. Uh, you make a difference by, um, by as a researcher and producing, uh, producing knowledge, and then connecting with others uh, around sort of the things you've, you've found. Um, and I found that a very rewarding experience. And, and each time I, I like this process of sort of figuring out something that I'm fascinated by, a problem that I recognize in a field, formulating that problem and then developing research around it, which can also sometimes take the form of organizing a conference or a special issue and bring people together. And then together figuring out new pathways for research. Uh, but just the, the very process of, of engaging with a problem and then developing research, I think, is, is, is a very rewarding experience. I think a lot of RMA and PhD students recognize also this feeling and also other people also within academia. But on the other hand, what's also a feeling that's quite dominant right now, at least within academia, is sometimes amongst PhDs. But what if I'm not uh, enough connected to the world outside of academia? Could you maybe reflect maybe on your own experiences with perhaps that thought? Have you ever had such thoughts of what's outside academia or were you always driven by I want to stay in this because of the enthusiasm of the contributions that I deliver in these research outcomes yeah I mean I did consider of course well before starting a PhD I did consider other careers so I considered a career in, in journalism also applied to the Volkskrant in the Netherlands uh, I wasn't uh, given given the position but then eventually, quite quickly, I, well, chose for academia because, as I said, I was very enthusiastic about teaching. So I knew I wanted to do that. And, um, well, when, when 
especially towards the end of my PhD, when uh, I became more enthusiastic about research, I knew that that was the career for me. So in that regard, I never, uh, after, after doing or completing my PhD, thought about other potential career paths. I knew I wanted to be in academia. Okay, that, that seems pretty clear. Let's maybe move on to also what you're seeing with other people, uh, such as maybe PhDs that you have or RMA students that you supervise. Do you see the issue with them that they are uh, currently balancing out, well, do I want to make a career in academia or outside of it? And what are then the potential challenges that you, that they would have to overcome? Yeah, that's that's a difficult question. So... I think uh, some of them obviously are considering other careers because, as I said before, for most people, doing a PhD is, is quite a struggle. I think for uh, to realize, I mean, once you're in a PhD, that time is obviously not wasted, right? You're developing as a researcher, uh, you're developing as a writer, uh, as somebody who can present and often also who can organize uh, things like, for example, organize a, a workshop. Uh, or a conference uh, in some cases. And those skills are can also be applied elsewhere, right? So they're transferable skills, if you, if you will. And uh, so especially, obviously, in research institutions besides the university, those skills are very important. But also many, for example, governmental institutions, they're very important. So I would say in fields which are at least informed by research, or are doing developing research themselves, I would say that a PhD is uh, is a plus and will help you in uh, li- landing a position. Um, of course, you do need to realize, right, uh, when you're in academia, the longer you are in academia, the harder it becomes to go elsewhere. Of course, people there are still people who change, right, also after maybe doing a postdoc and find uh, employment elsewhere. But in that sense, it is sort of a pathway uh, which, uh, yeah, it's difficult to go away from uh, once you're once you're far far along. Sounds very understandable. But uh, on the other hand, that's also like a very precarious situation, of course, where a lot of PhDs are in at the end because they also don't know if there is a career for them out there after completing their PhDs. Is there a current advice that you're giving to the PhDs that you are supervising or that you're in a committee of? when they go out into the sunset, which might be academia or outside of it? Yeah, so it depends on what they want to do, obviously. So if they're in academia, obviously, uh, I do advise them about uh, what they need to uh, uh, keep uh, in mind when when publishing, what journals to publish in, um, in terms of the field they want to be in. So it matters a lot. So if you want to be in media studies or you want to be in... uh, Uh, cultural analysis or in uh, communication science, for example, those uh, fields, although they have journals that are uh, considered from all of these fields, they often also have specific journals which are targeted to those particular fields. So it is obviously important to publish then also in the journals that are specifically focused on your field and considered also to be relevant in that field. And the same goes for conferences. So you, it's important to go to particular conferences which are considered to be central to that field. So in that sense, you can, uh, for an academic career, very much tailor or develop your uh, uh, CV 
towards a particular position. That's that's important to keep in mind. And also uh, how much you need to publish and and um, and of, yeah, and what uh, what journals to publish. So that's for people who are in academia. Um, yeah, and then of course it's also important if you're if you want to pursue a career in academia to teach. Right. So you do if you want to. Uh, um, be hired as an assistant professor you do need to have teaching experience and a couple of ideally you know uh, one or two courses uh, taught over two or three years something along those lines that shows that you have uh, well at least some relevant teaching experience which uh, as uh, well committee members often want to see that so those two things are absolutely important in terms of research output uh, and and some teaching experience then beyond academia, uh, obviously it's important to, to think about uh, developing these skills that are going to be relevant beyond academia, right? So writing, presenting, being able uh, to yeah, translate the knowledge you have gained within uh, your well, PhD project, within academia, to, to other fields, to be able to communicate that. Uh, but I do think that in academia, you do learn a lot which is relevant outside of academia. It's just you need to make that translation. Yes, indeed. That translation seems to come back as a pattern in many of the podcast episodes that we've had in this season. Um, what would you say contributes to such a translation? Because, yeah, well, we're all doing media studies or cultural analysis, so we should be good mediators, maybe, to some extent. But how... Do, are we as PhDs able to train a skill in which we can mediate our knowledge to others in a way that's contributing not only to academia, but also outside of it? Yeah, well, I think one thing uh, important to realize that um, in academia, you, you really learn to develop uh, research in a very systematic manner, right? So um, uh, developing a problem, engaging with a whole tradition of research, seriously engaging with it, and then understanding uh, what has so far been done, what isn't, what is missing uh, from uh, the research out there, and then systematically developing that research, right, your, through a particular methodology, uh, and then communicating your results. And I think that particular skill set is uh, not taught elsewhere. Right? So in that sense, that's a unique sort of skill set. So elsewhere, of course, people learn how to, to write, how to present, do those kind of things. But the core of academic research is really about being able uh, to, to systematically and with understanding of the larger field, develop, develop research. So I think it is, uh, I would say, uh, whatever field you end up working in, whether it's in academia or, or outside, uh, it is important to be able yeah to communicate the uh, the gains of uh, of of doing it in that particular way uh, to have a much more solid grounding of the knowledge you, you produce especially of course in contemporary society where authority is is questioned and often also rightly challenged uh, and where there are uh, lots of fundamental debates about uh, truth uh, authenticity and so on Clear. Thank you. Um, maybe uh, because we've talked a lot already about uh, opportunities also outside of academia, but let's zoom in on academia itself a bit more as you are quite experienced in that. Um, 
You mentioned earlier that it might be good to, for example, have a teaching position as well, or at least have had the opportunity to show that you're good at teaching and that you've submitted your uh, papers to uh, particular journals. But um, it's not, of course, always possible uh, maybe for a PhD to, to teach somewhere, maybe due to a lack of positions somewhere, and maybe you always get rejected from a specific journal. What are very practical skills that these PhDs could do to still stand out or use these tips that you gave earlier? Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of teaching... I would say it's important to not just look uh, at the immediate uh, organization in which you work um, within media studies uh, and also uh, cultural cultural analysis and cultural studies. There are lots of teaching opportunities. And so media studies, for example, we're always looking for new teachers. Uh, so in that regard, and that's true for other media studies uh, departments elsewhere in the Netherlands as well. Um, so in that regard, there is lots. There are lots of opportunities. Maybe not necessarily at directly the place you're working, but then you could be teaching in other parts of the Netherlands, which I've done uh, as a PhD student. So I taught also, for example, some classes in the University uh, of Amsterdam as well as Rotterdam. Um, so just trying, uh, trying to get some teaching experience. So I would say that's very important, and and then look a bit broader than where you immediately work. In terms of uh, publishing, that's more complicated. <laughs> of course, you can and 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 often, uh, uh, you know, I also get in, uh, manuscripts rejected by top journals. Um, try again. Uh, go for another journal, which is also important in your field. Uh, learn from the feedback you're getting. If it's rejected, also discuss that, obviously, with your supervisor uh, or um, other people you, you value in your field. Uh, improve the improve the work and try to get it published, uh, because I, I I do think uh, ultimately if you want to have a future in academia, then either as a postdoc or as, as a assistant professor, you do need a couple of publications, whether in handbooks or maybe highly valued edited volumes or uh, journals, um, that show uh, that you are capable of really doing uh, fundamental uh, academic research. Okay, we I think we've gone already through quite some soft skills and best practices. So I would like to move on to the final question that we always ask in this podcast, which is if you have any sort of advice, tips, tricks, soft skills maybe that we haven't talked about just yet. It can be about something that we've already discussed in this podcast or outside of it. What sort of advice would you have? Yeah, the, the golden uh, tip. So I think a lot of attention uh, when, when you speak about um, best practices in academia or career in academia, uh, uh, well, the focus is often sort of on optimizing, right? Optimizing your output, getting published in major journals, becoming visible, uh, networking, uh, thinking about grants which you can apply for and so on. And I think for many people that's kind of can be intimidating uh, and also off-putting in a way because maybe they don't just don't want to be thinking about those things all the time and play that neoliberal logic. And I think there there is some truth to that. And I think so before you do any of that, I think it's very important to take a step back and to consider uh, what really 
motivates you, what really intrigues you, what really uh, what you're yeah really passionate about uh, in terms of uh, an issue or problem that is out there in the in the uh, in your research, uh, and that really needs to be solved. Right, a problem that uh, hasn't really been adequately addressed so far by other people who've done research in that in that field, and I think. Uh, it doesn't really make sense to do research if you haven't found that problem or issue. You need to have that because that's going to be what motivates you, but it's also going to be your anchor in terms of developing your research, engaging with the field, positioning yourself in the field, uh, and then developing new ideas. So uh, my main advice would be, please, before doing anything in terms of yeah, being the most visible or the 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 uh, publishing in the best journals. Think about what what is truly uh, that the thing I care about, what matters to me most. And um, I think that's and when you found that. I think um, you can then think about well, how can I practically uh, translate that to the field? Thank you, thank you for that final piece of advice, and also thank you for this conversation. This would round off uh, the uh, three episodes that we've had at uh, the Nika RMS event for the network networking and for the upcoming researchers. And uh, it also rounds off our uh, season for this uh, year. Next year, we will come back with another season of In Media Res with a different topic. But stay tuned to hear what that topic is going to be. Take care now. Bye bye.